looking at tonight, Romans chapter 15. That's where we are, Romans chapter 15. And let me just encourage you tonight as we get ready to get to the Word of God. This isn't part of the message, this is extra tonight. Man, when we sing about the Lord, sing. Enjoy singing. It's interesting to me, and one of my prayers is, and I try to be so careful how I word things sometimes, and that just comes out. I try to be careful how I word things in my marriage, and sometimes it just comes out a certain way, and then I get myself in trouble. In my head, it sounds a lot better than the way it comes out, I think. And so that really scares me every time I preach and every time I get up behind the pulpit. But man, enjoy singing the songs of God. If you cannot learn to enjoy singing today, what are you going to do in heaven? You're not going to have your cell phone to stare at in heaven. You're not. I, I wish that we could, and I wish that we could get to the point you know, I know in the room, it's so, we, we, have, we have a variety of people in the room. I know there are some in this room, they only love hymns. They don't love anything but hymns. But you've also got on the other aspect of the room, you've got those in this room that don't like hymns, that only like new songs. And just as those that just like hymns don't like the new songs, those that like the newer songs don't like the hymns. And my question is for everyone in between, what's wrong with you? You're singing to the Lord. He should be the focal point. And if it's not your genre or your style, you're singing to God, not for you. If we were going to sing a service to you, we would pick out what songs you and I like, right? Not every song that we sing do I love the way the music's written. But I don't sing it because I enjoy, I sing to the Lord. And that's what you got to remember. Old songs like it is no secret what God can do, it's an excellent, it's a great song. Praise God for it. And some of you that don't know older songs, you need to get to know songs like that. Some of you in the room, that that's all you know, it is no secret, and songs a lot older than that, you need to get to know the hymn of heaven. I think when you get to heaven, you're going to be shocked at what we sing to the Lord. But sing. And so I know sometimes the songs, maybe the song service gets a little long, but when we, sometimes I look around and I see some in the room that just look bored during that time. And I'm not getting after you, I feel for you. Because how can you be bored singing to the one who died and gave his life for you? Man, I want to sing out, and I know I don't always sing on key, or I screech like I did a little bit ago. It happens. I'm not, you know, this morning we did this song. I messed up the first verse of it. That happens. I'm not claiming perfection. In heaven, I guess we'll all have great voices, right? And so, but for now, we just got what we got. But sing your very best. Give God your very best. Lift him up. I encourage you during the week to do it at home. Man, worship is just not when you get together. I'll tell you this way. If your worship with God is good during the week, it's going to be good on Sunday. If your worship's no good on Sunday, you want to know why your worship's no good on Sunday? Because you've had no worship with God during the week. It all starts in private. If your private is good, it's going to be good. And some of and we just need to remember and focus on Him. Man, that's why I should, we should at the door, I should just ban all cell phones from the time they come in the door. Put it away. Don't even look at it. 
say, but my child just got in trouble in class, and I, okay, then look at it and go get them out of class. I get that. That has to happen. But what do we do before cell phones in that age? And it's just, you get an hour's worth of church, hour and ten minutes, and I know some say, I'm just looking, I'm just looking at the sermon, I'm looking at the Bible on my phone, and I hope you do. If you don't have a Bible in your hand, look at it on your phone, I'm for that. But I would be, I would not be looking at sports scores, I would not be looking at the news, I would not be checking my emails and getting rid of all that. If you want to do that, just stay home. Might as well, right? Because you're really not here. Your body's present, but your mind is nowhere near here. Let's get in on the things of God. Passage tonight, Romans chapter 15. We close out this chapter. And these verses here tonight are very near and dear to my heart. And I believe that any preacher, any one who shares the gospel, any Christian... These verses should take up some residence in us. People, a lot of times, they ask me, oh, Pastor, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What can I do? And I think, like, what Paul says here is what we need more than anything. You know what I need tonight? I need prayer. I do. Preaching the Word of God, trying to help lead a church to do what God's called us to do, I need your prayer. Satan doesn't like what goes on in churches. Satan doesn't like those who preach the word of God with the truth. And the best thing you can do for your pastor is pray for him. So why do you need so much prayer? Because I know myself, I need a lot of prayer. We all need prayer. But Paul, in these last verses of chapter 15, talks about his need for prayer. Look at verse number 30. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God. Now, you don't hear Paul say things like this very often. I want you to strive in your prayers for me. For me. That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. And that my service which I have done for them may be accepted of the saints that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Father, we need you tonight. And I mentioned a minute ago that what I need more than anything from our church is prayer. You know the time I spend with you in prayer. And you know how much I need you. You know how much time I spend in prayer for each and every person in this room. And we need prayer. There are battles that each of us face. There are struggles that each of us have. There are difficult days and how we need If in this passage, Lord, tonight we see Paul, one of the greatest Christians to ever live, if he needed prayer, how much more do we need prayer? We love you. We thank you for your love for us. Bless the time that we have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
totally get our eyes off of the blessings and the privileges we have as children of God. The fact that we could even be in a church and sing praise to the King of Kings is something worth shouting about. The fact that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, would send his son to die on a cross so that you and I could become his children is an amazing thought. The fact that he would allow me to preach his word week in and week out. Wow. The fact that he would allow you to teach a Sunday school class. The fact that he would let you help in a Christian school. The fact that he would let you teach a ladies' Bible study. The fact that he would let any of us go and share the gospel with anyone. What a privilege. What an honor it is. And I think we get our eyes off of that sometimes. The privilege we have to be Christians tonight. But if there's one area I feel that we miss it the most in the Christian life, it has to be in the area of prayer. You can enter the throne room of heaven and you and I tonight have access to the greatest throne in all the universe. No, you think about tonight and how would it be to be able to go before the president and talk to him. They're like, not that guy. Regardless, it would be an honor to go see the president, whoever the president. It's, it's part of being an American. It would be an honor to. You stand before some hierarchy, a king, whatever the case may be. And yet, anytime you want, you have privileges and rights that most of this world has no right to. You know, you don't have to, you can just walk right on in, and you get to be in the throne room of heaven. And you can boldly come before the throne of God anytime you want. You're a son, you're a daughter, the king of kings. You don't have to knock. You don't have to get permission to come in. You can go before him anytime you want. You can always get a hold of him. The privilege of there's a song, thank God for the privilege of prayer. And yet in this last week, did you think to pray? You can go into the throne room of heaven anytime you want, day or night. There's no sign you get to the throne room and says, sorry, closed, lunch break. It's nothing like that. You can come before the Father. How long has it been since you've come before your Heavenly Father? When's the last time you've pled and begged God in the throne room of heaven? 
prayer is an awesome privilege that very few take advantage of. We look at our passage tonight and we see that opening verse. What does Paul say there in verse number 30? He says, now I beseech you. Now, I can think of other times he used that same phrase. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's a strong word. This word means to come alongside or to help. I beg of you. I need this. And don't ever get too, too special in life where you don't need prayer. You always need prayer. Each and every one of us needs prayer. You know, oh, I, don't need, I don't need prayer. Then you've got, you got a lot more issues. You need a lot of prayer when you get to that point in life. But Paul in this passage, he says, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together that we work. I need your prayers. Pray for me. That's what Paul says here. I want to take a few minutes tonight and talk on this subject. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? 1 Thessalonians 5.25 says, Brethren, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse number 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Hey, let me just throw this one. When's the last time you prayed that as your pastor preached the word of God, that the word of God would have free course among those that come? Easter Sunday coming up, and we talk about 20,000 invites. Do you realize invites don't do anything? They really don't. The word of God changes lives. We need the Word of God. Our prayer for Easter Sunday should be that someone comes and that God's Word would have free course in their life. That's what we need. Hebrews 13, 18, Pray for us, for we trusted we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Two points tonight, not a very long sermon. I'll be done in just a little bit of time. And it's already 6.43, so I better be done before it's too long. Number one, we see the call for prayer. We see the call for prayer. I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers. The call for prayer. Paul says, hey, I need you to pray. You know, we someone was telling me before the service, and I heard that Tom Brady's coming out of retirement. Wow, he was retired for a whole month. But, and let me just say this. We talk about football. We talk about all those different things. At the end of the day, football really doesn't matter. It's not going to matter how many touchdowns you score or how your fantasy football team does before the Lord. That really doesn't matter. But let's talk about Tom Brady for a minute. Some of you got to see some of the old greats play football. I, Joe Montana was basically just about done, and he could barely throw a ball by the time I can remember watching him play. And he's pretty good on those arthritis commercials still every once in a while when he goes on there. But I hear Joe Montana was really good. 
You know, Joe, Joe Namath, I've heard that name before. That was just for you, Joe. You know, that was just for you. I've heard there, Terry Bradshaw. You can go through a list. I would say, t- in my opinion, this is Brian's opinion, which doesn't mean a whole lot in football. I would say that Tom Brady is probably the greatest quarterback to ever play, would be my opinion. He was clutch in a lot of the big moments. You can have your opinion. You can say whatever you want. But this is what I want you to know tonight about Tom Brady. What is different about Tom Brady and most other quarterback that's ever played? How come Tom Brady can come back out of retirement and he's going to play football when he's 44 years old? Because he has a good, de- good offensive line. What made those Patriot teams really good was Brady was never on his backside very often. They had the people there to block so that he could throw the ball. You want a good football team? You know where it's won? On the trenches. On the offensive line, the defensive line. I've been a Charger fan my entire life. The Chargers at times, Phil Rivers was a good quarterback. He never had time to throw the ball. And he made a lot of bad decisions because he had to get the ball out of his hand quick. And then the years the offense was okay, the defense was terrible. But you know, you look at it, why is it the quarterback's the one who makes all the money? You see, the wide receivers get paid all the money. The linebackers are the well-known ones. The cornerbacks are the well-known. Can someone name one of the different centers that Tom Brady's had? What's a center? See, my point. Could you name five offensive linemen right now? um, But you're not going to win without a good line. You're not. You need a good offensive line. You need a good defensive line. You talk about a running back, you can have the best runner in all the world, but if there's no one there blocking for him, he's running nowhere. You have 11 guys against one, it's not going to work out very well. You need all the blockers to open up the lanes to run the ball in football. How it is in the Christian life. We have a team. And when the word of God's being preached, we'll just give an example, on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, and your pastor's standing there trying to find an open spot to get the gospel, where's the Christian that's in prayer saying, Lord, open up that heart? You see, it works together. And Paul says, hey, I beseech you, I beg you, I need your prayers. I need your prayers. Letter A. The motivation behind our prayers. Why should we pray? Now, what we see right here is, is Paul requesting this selfishly? Hey, I want you to pray for me because I want to be big stuff. Hey, pray that I get more money so I can do more of this and that. No, what's the motivation behind his prayers? Look right there what it says. I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. For the love of the Spirit, that's why I need your prayers. 
For Christ's sake, I need those prayers. For the Spirit and the love of the Spirit, that's why I need those prayers. You've got to understand something. Really, everything that we do, the driving force behind what we do, should be to bring honor and glory to the King of Kings, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Hey, the motivation behind prayer... Why do we need prayer in this place? I don't need it selfishly for myself. We need it on behalf of God. The Lord Jesus, that's our motivation. The love of the Spirit, that's behind it. When we're saved, the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And we see, I see that phrase there, for the love of the Spirit. And Paul wanted to reach people with the gospel when you love people you pray for them man I encourage you tonight you say man there's just some people I just can't stand them how about you start praying for them oh that person that child in my class they are the hardest one to deal with when's the last time you prayed for them there's some of you in this room right now. I pray extra for you. You're my hardest cases in the room. You get extra prayer. Pray for them. Love them. We see a call to, I beseech you. We see a motivation for prayer. Then we see letter B. We see the teamwork in our prayers. Look at what it says there. It says that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. The word strive, as we look at that there, it carries the idea of entering into a fight with someone else. Were they literally, these, were they going through all the things that Paul was going through at the moment? Were they living Paul's life? No. It says, hey, I want to strive together in this. Hey, we have a common work. We have a common cause tonight. And the work of God, if the work of God's going to function the way that it should, we need to be striving together, doing the ministry of God. And we see Paul in this passage, he, he's, hey, guys, I need your prayers. Hey, I've given you a lot of doctrine. I've told you what, I've given you a lot of doctrine. I've told you how you need to live. I've just bared my heart and how I desire to go to Spain, how I desire to get there and get to Rome. But I'm begging you, I need your prayers. I need your prayers for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. And for the love of the Spirit. You know, tonight, I'm not in Ghana, West Africa. I'm not, I'm here in Chino, California. But we have missionaries we support in Ghana, West Africa. And when I pick up their prayer letter... And when I read and when I pray for them and beg God on their behalf that God would do something there in West Africa, I'm helping the team. That's why our prayer letters are so important. You know, we talk about we support a missionary. If we never sent them one penny, but all we did was pray multiple times every day for every missionary, it would do more good than any money we ever sent. When's the last time you prayed for one of our missionaries? Say, well, Pastor, I'll, I'll probably never go to a foreign field. 
Well, when's the last time you got on your knees for that foreign field and asked God to do a work there? Paul says in this verse, we see there in verse number 30, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Prayer is our opportunity to enter into the battle. And I, I've had several of our older Christians in our church, some come on Sunday mornings more than Sunday night. Pastor, I just feel like I can't do anything anymore. I don't feel like I'm doing much. Do you realize what prayer does? You enter the battlefield with your prayers. Prayer is an opportunity to enter into spiritual warfare with the devil. It's an opportunity to win battles that we can't not fight in, that we need the Lord's help in. When's the last time you prayed for a missionary? Hey, parents, when's the last time you prayed for that Sunday school teacher that teaches your child each Sunday morning? When's the last time you prayed for your kid's school teacher? There's teamwork in prayer. Paul says, I need your prayers. We see a call for prayer. And then number two and lastly tonight, we see he goes into specific prayer requests. Verse 31 and 32. That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may be with you, and may with you be refreshed. And you know, sometimes, sometimes people say, and I, I, I got to do a better job on myself in this area. Pastor, what can I pray for? Oh, just pray. Paul says, I need you to pray. And here's what I need you to pray for. He has specific requests. Letter A, the first thing that we see was protection. Paul knew that there were those that hated him in Jerusalem. Look right there. That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. There were those who wanted to take Paul out. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 23, the Bible tells us there, there were 40 men that determined not to eat or drink till Paul was killed. Think about that one. They were not going to eat or drink till Paul was taken out. That's how much they hated the guy. And Paul knew these things, and Paul prayed for protection. Hey, today we need that protection. When's the last time you prayed for a fellow Christian or for, prayed for your pastor, whoever the case may be, prayed for our missionaries? You think about that verse, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know, I look around today, and I've seen many pastors get out of ministry. Breaks my heart what's happened to a lot of pastors. But I will tell you this, you preach the word of God and you try to do something for God, you're going to wear a big target on yourself. And Satan wants to mess you up. Think about it tonight. If there's a Christian that's doing nothing for God, 
And then there's a Christian who's actively witnessing, teaching a Sunday school class, actively serving God. Who is Satan going to go after? The one who's already sitting doing nothing, he doesn't need to mess with them. They're already doing what he wants them to do. He's going to attack the ones who are doing the work. We need to pray for our protection on one another. Because Satan, and you got to understand something, at the very best, we're men and women. I hate to remind you of this, but your pastor's far from perfect. And I'm not going to be perfect. And one day I could mess up. I could. I could disqualify myself from being a preacher. I pray that day never comes. But I also pray that I've got some church members that are praying for my protection in that area. Hey, do you pray that protection over your kids? And every night I go before each one of my kids' beds. William now in this new house kind of has his own room and the door is partially closed. I don't go in because I'll wake him up with the little creaking of the door. Well, I kneel right outside his door right there. The boys, I kneel right by their bed. Alyssa's room, I go right in there and kneel right there. Andrew and Isaiah's door, I kneel right there as well. God will just protect them. Because they're growing up with things I never had to face. In all reality, as a teenager and as a, I never dealt with a cell phone. Remember when I was just when I was just becoming an adult, cell phones were really becoming big, and I thought it is so stupid to send a text message on a phone. Why am I gonna? Why am I gonna watch the internet on my phone? It's so small. T nine isn't wasn't that the wasn't that the texting T nine? And some of you, you know, Barbara's still trying to figure out the T nine and how that works, but that's okay. But you realize tonight that our battles, they're spiritual in nature. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 6, 18 and sometimes we take this out and say the armor of God's complete, right? No, 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 no. You put on the whole armor of God, and after you got the armor on, this is very important. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We should be praying protection on all of God's people. See that there? We see protection. We see next, letter B, we see prosperity. Prosperity. Now, why did Paul, now look at what it says in verse 31. That my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. Why was Paul going to Jerusalem? Why was he going to Jerusalem? Anybody listening the past few weeks? Why was he going to Jerusalem? He had to take an offering. He didn't want it hindered getting to the people in Jerusalem. You see that right there? 
He wanted to be able to bring God's blessing to the people in Jerusalem. Look at what it says right there. Just look at the verse. It says that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. He wanted to be able to get God's blessing to the people of God in Jerusalem. That's why he was going back. He was going back to take the offering that Macedonia collected for them that we talked about. And we see specifically he for protection, to be able to get God's blessing there to those in Jerusalem. And let her see, he prayed for God's will to be done. This is where a lot of Christians have a hard time when it comes to prayer. Look at what it says, the next verse, that I may come unto you with joy. Look at this phrase, by the will of God. By the will of God. Paul says, I want to get to you if God wills it to happen. He wanted to meet the saints if it be God's will. It's where we miss a lot in prayer. We pray for what our wants and needs are and what we think is best. We want God to answer our way. I've had a few people in our church and people that have visited, they've gotten mad at me. Because they come up after the service and they're like, Pastor, could you pray for this? And this is what they say. Uh, I'll give you an example. My, my cousin is on their deathbed. Pray that they're healed. And my prayer is, Lord, I pray that if it's your will, that you will heal them. And if it's not, work with the family, and I pray for your will to be done. I pray that for my own prayer requests. That's correct praying. That's the way prayer is supposed to be done. And Paul says if it's what the Lord wants, he prayed for God's will. How many times when you pray, do you pray for God's will, or do you pray for what you want in the situation? you got to remember, the Lord is not some magic genie that you rub the little lamp and three wishes, Master. It's not how he is. But that's how we treat him. God, I want this. I want, it like, I want it done this way, and I want this and that. Hey, this trial I got in my life, take it away. I think I'm done with it. I don't need it anymore. Lord, I don't like this. But I want your will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our prayers need to include God's will. These short couple verses here at the end of chapter 15, before we get into some names and some verses in chapter 16, Paul says, I beg of you, I beseech you, pray for me. Pray for protection. Pray for the prosperity and those in Jerusalem there that I can get them this offering. Pray for the Lord's will to be done. And then I don't believe it's any accident how the last verse of the chapter ends. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Paul says, I've asked. Hey, pray for me. 
I'm not going to worry about it. The God of peace will take care of it. I think really what Paul's telling us right there is, hey, hey, I need your prayers. Those people at Jerusalem, they want to kill me. They want to they destroy me. And those people in Jerusalem really need this offering. And it's going to be a blessing and a help and an encouragement to God's people. I want the Lord's will to be done. And I'm at peace with it. 